Gangnam Style. Gangnam Style. Gangnam Style. Gangnam But uh, these are some of the viral images, some of the videos that have uh, hit it big in, in, uh, in, our, in our social media age. As a matter of fact, um, do you know what the number one viral video is? Does anyone know what the number one viral video is on YouTube? Over two billion plays. Two billion with a B. Gangnam Style. Isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful? That's the message that's out there. As a matter of fact, in 2012, in 2012, in the summer when that video was released uh, in South Korea, of all places, it only took six months. By December, it became the first video on YouTube to ever have more than a billion views in just six months. This is what we're talking about when we're talking about viral. When something spreads from one person to the next, and, and in our social media age, it happens through sharing and comments and through you know sending emails. Emails and, and, and linking it on Twitter and Facebook and all those kinds of ways. And videos just kind of spread the globe almost instantly. Well, as, uh, as, so not to disappoint in this series, I think God provided a wonderful illustration this week right here locally as uh, we were preparing for the series. It took place in Sun City. Any one of you uh, maybe uh, take a look at, at this that, that went viral? I mean, this went on, but this was like the best part right here. The guy pulls up in his pickup, lassos the llama. Over the tug, and watch how he ends. High fives all around. There you go. This, in a matter of moments on Thursday afternoon, was picked up here, obviously locally, you know, the, the llama drama, the llama chase. Then uh, CNN and NBC got a hold of it. The BBC got a hold of it. It went global. As a matter of fact, it was uh, the number one trending topic on Twitter. Four of the top number one hashtags had to do with the llama drama. They were tweeting at over 3,000 tweets per minute about llamas. I mean, this is a day and age where we live where a message or a, a video or a picture, an image can just spread so quickly. And so the idea of what we want to talk about, though, is how does our faith spread? How do we have a contagious faith? How can we as a church share a message that has a lot more meaning than some llamas running around or a song or what color a dress is, but really a message that has a life-changing um, theme and, and, and has the power to change lives, how do we share that and how do we allow that to go viral through us? Because if you think about it, it began with one man, Jesus, who shared this message and brought along 12 men and brought along other disciples and then began to send them out and so that somehow through the years and through the centuries, we are here today in the year 2015 sitting here talking about the hope of Christ, sharing the good news of Christ, worshiping 
Jesus Christ. And here we are, we have video and, and live streaming, as, as uh, Michael said in, in the announcements, that, that there are people that could literally, all over the planet, can be a part of what is happening here and hearing this good news. It is an amazing time to live in and a great opportunity for us to share the message of Christ and to go viral with that. So over the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at how did this message start? How did it go viral? How did, what was Jesus' plan? And more than that, what's our role in it? How do we function as followers of Christ? How do we function as a church to, to be about bringing this good news to the people all around us? What obstacles stand in the way? And so over the next several weeks as we lead into Easter, which is just five weeks away, one of the biggest Sundays of the year where people in our community and in America still have an openness to coming to church and to giving an opportunity for us to share the good news of Christ, how can we really build up over these next several weeks this idea of a contagious faith? How might God use each of us to max out this place and to be here, uh, to have people here hearing the good news of Christ? So that's what we're going to look at, and we're going to go through the book of Acts. And before we turn to Scripture, uh, let's bow our heads and let's have a moment of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this place and this space and this time that we have set aside to turn our hearts and our minds towards you. Would you just speak into our life and into our situations, into our church? And Father, even as we sit here in the comfort of a climate-controlled place and comfortable seats, God, we are reminded today that there are people who are suffering, who are challenged, who are, who are being um, just condemned for their faith and in difficult situations that we see on the news. And we just pray for courage. We pray for strength. And God, we pray for peace. We pray for intervention. Lord, this morning, would you give us a heart to see beyond our four walls here, but to see into your kingdom and what you may be calling us to do. We love you, Jesus, and uh, open our hearts to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, let's turn to the book of Acts. The book of Acts, if you have your Bibles with you or on your phone, is the fifth book of the New Testament. Now, the Old Testament tells us all the stories prior to Jesus, the history, the writings, the teachings of, the, of faith um, from creation up through, the, uh, up through Jesus is, is the Old Testament. And the New Testament tells us the stories of Jesus onward. Now, the first four books of the New Testament... Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, four separate accounts of Jesus' life. But then you come to this fifth book, and, uh, and the fifth book is a sequel to one of the first four, and that is the book of Acts. Anyone know what, the, uh, what, what, it's, what book it's a sequel to? This is a little pop tri trivia here. Acts is the sequel to what book? Luke, yes, the book of Luke. Now, see, now you have some trivia that you can take home with you. Luke was actually the author of both the book, the Gospel of Luke, and Acts. And so, he, in this unique kind of two-part set, um, we can now get the rest of the story, where the Gospels tell us the story through the resurrection, and uh, just after the resurrection, Acts picks up on the other side of it. And as a matter of fact, when uh, Luke is writing in the first verse of Acts, he writes this. He says, Dear Theophilus. So he's writing this as a, as a letter, as an as a account to a person named Theophilus. And he's, gonna, he's basically telling him, I'm going to tell you now the rest of the story. Here's how he sets it up. In my first book, I told you about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he ascended to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions from the Holy Spirit. And then he says, During the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. 
on these occasions, he talked to them about the kingdom of God. And so now what he's saying is, look, I told you in the previous book, all up to when Jesus ascended, and now I'm going to tell you the rest of the story. And the rest of the story, and the reason that this book is the foundation for our series, is this book sets out the early steps of where the church was formed and began began to spread out. It it talks about Jesus' plan for how he was going to impact the world through just a handful of people. Now, I love the title of the book of Acts. It's not the book of thoughts. It's not the book of good intentions. It's not the book of history. It's not the book of theology. It's the book of Acts, action. And if you're somebody who likes action and movement and doesn't just want to hear some theology or some thoughts, read the book of Acts because the church is on the move. The church is making things happen. And more than the church, it's the good news that is spreading and is beginning to change people's lives. Life after life after life is being transformed. And so today as we begin the series called Viral, this contagious faith, how does that spread and, and how does it grow and how does it grow to a place where we are sitting here receiving that message We're going to talk about the foundation, the plan that began, and what Jesus' plan was for this message to go viral. So in this book of Acts, Luke sets the foundation. This is really important as we think about something that goes viral, because you have to have a message that goes viral, although these videos would kind of contradict that, because some some of these, there's just not much to it. They're a flash in the pan, right? There's some entertainment, but they don't have lasting value. But there's something about the message of Christ that's different. Why would... These men that were his disciples and others that were followers of Jesus who were frightened to death when he was arrested, who were in hiding, who, would, who didn't want anyone to know, people who denied Jesus, Peter, his right-hand man, denying Jesus. Why would these people all of a sudden become these radical, just un, you know, without inhibition, that would share the good news of Christ and would be willing to die for their faith? What happened? What happened? And, Paul, and, and Luke here really begins to, to lay this foundation. And, and like I said, read earlier, he says this in verse 3. During the 40 days after his crucifixion, Jesus appeared to the apostles from time to time and proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. See, the whole foundation for this book of Acts of going viral is this simple truth. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. If he is not alive, the rest of the story doesn't happen. Then it's just a history, it's just a story of of what happened to some man. Nobody disputes that Jesus lived and, and that he was on this earth. But the difference here is that Jesus is alive and that these men and these followers and women who were around him at that time, they witnessed that he was alive. And Luke is saying, this is key. And we're going to come back to this time and again in this series. Because it all hinges on this, that Jesus is in fact alive. And this was the story that could change everything. And so this story needed to be shared, and this story needed to be spread. And Luke says, not only was he alive, like they sweat and saw the tomb, you know, we celebrate on Easter, the, 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 the cross and the resurrection, the empty cross and the empty tomb. He didn't just leave the next day. He was around for 40 days. He was eating with his disciples. He was spending time with them. He was talking to them. And it says he was talking to them about the kingdom of God. And he had some time where I think he was preparing them for what was next, the kingdom and, and sometimes we think, well, what does the kingdom mean? What is the kingdom of God all about? Well, Jesus taught about the kingdom all the time. You're not part, you live here in this world, you're part of this kingdom, but there is another kingdom. There's another reality that, that exists beyond what we see. It's a spiritual reality. And you need to have eyes to see it. And he would teach them about this kind of kingdom. That's not a kingdom that has political boundaries. It doesn't stop here and start there. 
It's not a kingdom that only Americans have access to or, or that where you have to decide if you're Republican or Democrat or independent or libertarian. It doesn't matter. Everyone has equal access to this kingdom. And in this kingdom, lives are changed and transformed and everyone comes into this kingdom by humbly submitting and bowing and surrendering their lives to Christ and allowing him to bring a new life. There's a kingdom there and you need to spread this good news of the kingdom. And so he's teaching these things, but then it's interesting in verse 6, it says this, When the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, are you going to free Israel now and restore our kingdom? So what you got to realize is they kept seeing with eyes on the now. This kingdom, their kingdom, our kingdom, the city of Jerusalem where they live. Now they're thinking, okay, Jesus, you, you died, you rose again. I mean, you're the man, you're the God, you're, you can do anything. You're going to restore the kingdom now? Let's go, let's take the throne, and let's set up your kingdom here, all right? Let's do this, our kingdom. And Jesus must have just been shaking his head. Once again, you just don't quite seem to get it. There's a different kind of kingdom, and, and, and then he says there's going to be a plan now for this kingdom, and it's not going to be about setting up a throne in Jerusalem, a throne here, a political kingdom on this earth, but it's about a much bigger kingdom that's going to change people throughout this entire world and throughout history, and here's this plan that he reveals to them. He says, wait in Jerusalem, and then I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. So let's look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is going to be our key verse for today. But when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, so first he told him, wait, and then the Holy Spirit is going to come. He's, I'm, he's going to leave. Jesus is going to leave. Holy Spirit's going to come. When he comes upon you, you will receive power and will tell people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus is laying out his viral marketing plan, <laughs> his organic marketing plan. Now, if you've ever done any kind of online advertising, I've done some stuff through for the church at different times in, in the, my last church I was at. And you, if you do like Facebook marketing, um, you, can buy, you, know, you can pay money and then your, your ad will show up in people's news feeds. And it's like you're kind of like sneaking your way into their everyday life. And it costs money to do that and then it's good. You get exposure. But there's an exposure and there's a way of marketing that is worth much more. It's organic. It's viral marketing. It's when people just believe in your message and what you have and they're excited about what you want to do and they just begin to share it and they share it and they share it and, and then it multiplies. It goes from two to four to four to eight and it just, it just goes quick and it can go around the whole globe. I mean, I remember one, one, little, um, one little event that we were doing as a church uh, in my previous church and it was a glow-in-the-dark Easter egg hunt. And we decided we're not going to pay for any marketing. We're just going to put it out on, on, on Facebook and, and we're, we're just going to see what kind of happens. And, and so I put it out there and, and we're trying to gauge how many people in the community might show up. And all of a sudden I started seeing the numbers tick up as far as the, the likes and the shares. And it was like all of a sudden it, people were saying, hey, I'm going to this, this event. Will you come too? And they're inviting their friends. And, I, and these were people we had no idea who it was. And, and some of our events where we had a few hundred people coming, this was over a thousand people showed up on that day from the community for this event. And, and it all just spread virally from, from one person telling the other using social media to do that. Well, in the days prior to social media, and, and, and in a way that is still very valid today, Jesus said the way that we're going to share this faith is it's going to go from person to person. It's going to go from person to person. It's going to start here. It's going to begin in Jerusalem and then go to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, we may not know that geography very well, but in our context, it would be like saying it's going to start here 
in Scottsdale and the Phoenix metro area. And then it's going to go outwards out to, to Flagstaff and to Tucson and the rest of Arizona. Then it's going to cross borders. It's going to go into Mexico. And eventually it's going to go into all the world. Now imagine being the disciples sitting there talking to Jesus. And let's just say here, let's take 12 people like right here. Everyone else, nobody else is here. And Jesus is saying to these 12 people, we're going to go into the whole world. What are you thinking when you're sitting there? It's kind of exciting and at the same time you're going, what? Not just Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, I mean to the ends of the earth? That's how it began. That was the vision. That was the goal. And then he said, though, this is how it's going to happen. How is it going to happen? You will receive power. You're going to receive power because by yourselves, you're not going to be able to do it. You're not going to have the strength. Maybe you won't have the motivation. Maybe you won't know. But there's going to be something in you when you are transformed by Jesus Christ. When the Holy Spirit comes in you, the Holy Spirit will give you the power. And what's that power going to be? To tell people about me everywhere. And this is sometimes a, a call and a mandate that, that I think the church is losing. And by the church, I mean people who have been transformed by Christ because we come to church and we sit and we enjoy and we listen and we grow and, and, and our lives are transformed. But when it comes to telling, we like to say there's all different kinds of ways to tell. And maybe, we, you know, let's just use maybe social media. Let's just invite people to church. But are we people who tell of what Jesus has done in our lives? It's not accepted in our society. I can't talk about that at work. It wouldn't be accepted. And so we clam up. And so the message doesn't go, go viral. And, and I think there's a challenge here for us to say is we need to get into a position of telling. Now, what does that look like? What forms does that take? We're going to talk about some of that over the next few, few weeks, how God wants to use us to share that good news. But today, I just want to start with, this is the plan, that it's going to go viral, and it's got to be person-to-person -person transmitted. And it's going to be shared, and eventually it's going to reach people everywhere. And it's a multiplication effect. Now the question is, uh, as we kind of bring it in more closely and locally, what does that mean for us? How did we get here? How did we get to a place where these seats are filled for one service and two services, and on some Sundays, five, six, seven services at, at Christmas Eve, at Easter? How did that happen? Well, back about 20 years ago, in 1995, it began with a person, with a couple of people, Don and Lori Doe, having a vision to say something needs to to exist out here. Now, there weren't as many people, nearly as many people. This area was just starting to, to develop. Um, around here, I met a neighbor yesterday. They were having a garage sale. And so if a neighbor has a garage sale, go up and say hi to him, introduce yourself, and hopefully I'll get to invite him sometime. But I uh, just started talking to them, and they said they've been here for 25 years in this area. So when we moved out here, there wasn't the school, the high school and the junior high wasn't there and Via Linda didn't go through. It was just a dirt road and 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 just they're seeing what was happening. And, and about that time, a little bit few years after they moved here, Don and others were coming through here and saying this place needs a church. This place needs um, an outpost to reach this community. And so they began and actually they began not with a building. They began at Laguna Elementary School on October 1st in 1995. And when I say they, I say they because it wasn't part of me, but some of you were there. I talked with some of you after the first service and, and saying, well, we were there from the very beginning. We remember what it was like meeting in that elementary school. We remember then moving to a high school and, and, and beginning small and having a dream and hoping for big things. And it was one person that shared to another and shared to another and the church began to grow. The realization was there that it wasn't going to be enough just to continue meeting in rented facilities and that God was doing something and to reach 
kids and students. We needed a place. And so the dream began, and let's look for land. And eventually, some land was found right here on the corner of 124th and Shea. And the dream was, was hatched. This is a place where lives are going to change. This is a place where we're going to have a footprint. And we're going to have a mark in the ground here where we're going to reach people. And it took great sacrifice. The church was much smaller and had big hopes and dreams and was saying, we're going to give and we're going to sacrifice. And people said, this is important to us. We're going we're gonna to do whatever we can. We're going to trust God to make it happen. And as many of you have, have shared with me or as I've heard is the miracle on 124th Street. And that it wasn't just a miracle, but that it's been miracle after miracle. Sometimes in very tangible, physical ways of buildings and land and resources, but so many miracles and lives changed and lives transformed that are happening right here on this corner of 124th and Shea. And so eventually it was the land was purchased and the dreams were had, but it was just dirt. There was nothing here. It was just an open land, just like what we see out here. But it took somebody and some people to say, we don't just see dirt, we don't just see land, we see something happening on this, in this place. And the dream was hatched to have this facility, to begin to make some drawings and envision uh, an auditorium with this many seats that, that weren't even ready to be filled with people, but in hopes that one day these seats would be filled. And eventually a service filled, and then another service filled, and the classrooms are full of children and youth. Leadership transitioned and changed from Don to Matt, and Matt was here for five, six years, Matt, Matt and Robin, and some great ministry years that were taking place. Growth, 20% a year growing. And, and, and bursting at the seams, saying, we've got to do something else. What's next? Where do we go from here? There's more people to reach, more things to be done. We're doing multiple services. We're using the facility to its maximum capacity and beyond. And the dream was had that we need to expand, and that was the Multiply campaign was launched. How many of you have heard and have been a part of any of this Multiply campaign? So a good number of you. Some of you this might be, be new for. You see, the plan was never in, in, in the intention in the beginning of this property and this land was to have the church just be what it is right here as a building. This was just to be the first part. It was never the plan to have our children's ministry always be in these four or five classrooms with exterior access. It was never the plan to have hundreds of students gather in a room that's half the size of our stage. That wasn't the plan. This was just the first phase. And that the hope and the plan was that we would expand from here. If you notice our building and you walked in the lobby, on the left side there's this nice kind of rounded curved wall, but there's nothing behind it. The plan is for something else to happen behind it. And the plan is to say we need to get ahead of the curve because we're gonna, it's going to take 18 months to 24 months to, to when we are ready to, to, to pull the trigger on this expansion. It takes that long to build it and to, to occupy it. So we need to, to make it happen soon so that we can have space and room for others. And, and that was the beginning of the process and, and, and the campaign was started and people had started giving. And then to the surprise of the, of the church and kind of came out of um, unexpectedly was the departure of, of Matt Anderson. And people were asking, all right, now, now what, what happens? Where are we at in this campaign? And, and, and so wisely, the board and the leaders said, we're not stopping this thing, but we're going to push pause. We need to wait. We need to just get uh, a new lead pastor and... And the amazing thing is, resources kept coming in. People were still continuing to give to say, we believe in this mission. And as a matter of fact, um, over a million dollars has already been committed to start this process of this campaign um, for where we need to go. 
And then during this time, the, the search committee was uh, beginning to talk to me, and I actually had a chance to even talk with, with Matt and, and met with the board, and they all were talking, amongst other things, about the plans for this building, for the expansion of this church and, and what that would look like and what that would mean. And I saw the, the blueprints, and eventually I saw the model that was now out in, in the lobby, and I thought, man, this is, this is exciting. This is a great vision, a great plan, and wow, would God bless this church so much that we would be able to fill 800 seats in the auditorium, not just once, maybe twice, three times. Like, what is the impact of this church? And we saw the kids' classrooms and the youth space and the admin wings. And I, and I was on board, and I said, yeah, when, when, the, when the time is right and, and when it worked out that I was able to be on, uh, on point here as, as pastor, um, I said, let me get my feet wet. <laughs> let, me get, let me get in here. And, and now I've been in for two full months. And I'm saying, let's go. <laughs> I'm not quite ready yet, but I'm ready to go. We're never going to wait till we're 100% ready, but because this dream is real. And because what I noticed wasn't just a building. It wasn't just some walls. I got in here and got to see ministry in action. I remember, you know, our, our first night here where I was speaking on, on December 24th, on Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve and Christmas Eve Eve. All the services we had and the place was just filled and was packed and influenced in this church to hundreds and thousands of people, 1,500 some people coming through our doors and realizing here's potential that this is not just a once or twice a year thing, but that these are people who we need to make space for. And when I saw what was happening in the student ministry and, and realizing all these students and the life change that's happening, and I was here when, when the two buses pulled off to, to, to Winter Blast and, and 100 plus uh, students and leaders were taking off and, and realizing we've given them a room, a small room that they can't possibly meet in. And so on Sunday nights when they gather here, they take over just so, so much of the church. But there's still not enough room because sometimes other groups need to meet and other things happen. And we're just maximizing out this facility. And life change is happening every Sunday and every day that, that things are happening here at the church. And I also got to experience firsthand uh, from our children's ministry how great and exciting and fun it is and yet how crazy it is to sometimes get into the classrooms. If you come as a new person, we came in with our four daughters and, and there are five children's classrooms and we have our four daughters in four of the five classrooms. And so we come into a crowded lobby and we don't and, and have a, you know, find our way to the check-in and then we realize you got to take one kid on this side and one on this side and there are exterior entrances and then you take two more on this side and, and then afterwards you got to run and you got to try to pick them up and there's people and it's exciting. It's great that there's a lot of things happening but we realize that there is so much more potential. What would it be like to have a place for the children to gather and, 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 and what's the dream and, and, and what could it look like to be more intentional in designing in and around that. And so after everything has been on pause for, for a while and for a season to see where we are and then to realize that this church has just um, continued to move forward in the interim period. So many churches lose ground and, and, and step backwards and, and then have some time to rebuild the energy and the momentum that is here has just been phenomenal. The staff, the leadership has continued, the volunteers continued to move the church forward. And so we're saying we don't want to wait any longer. We don't want to delay anymore. It's time to, to, to turn off the pause button and to push play and to say let's move forward with this. Let's not delay another week. Let's not delay another month. Let's let the church know together that we are moving forward to want to see this dream happen. Now, if you've looked out in the lobby, you guys noticed the model in the lobby of the, the, the building there? Take a look. Some of you guys were running so late you didn't even notice that it was there. Um, out in the lobby, there's a model. You can take a look and, and, and just see what's there. And we're not going to look at this in, in, in great detail, but, 
But some of the big pieces that are involved in that is um, you'll see the expanded lobby. We'll start in the middle. We're going to take out an admin section that's there that right now where we have some offices and just going to open up that lobby and even expand it over to the, to the left there where you see the children's check-in. And just imagine an area dedicated where you just know a new family's parents, you come in, you check your kids in in one place, and then there's a secure entrance, one to the, the, uh, the preschool, and the other one goes to the, uh, to the older kids, to the mountain kids, and, and the kids can just be in those places, designated classrooms. The mountain kids ministry there is like a children's theater, a place to, to do worship and creative dramas and interactions and breakout rooms for kids to go to, all in this place. And then if you go a little further there, you see there's some adult classrooms, uh, places that we don't even have right now to have adult classrooms. We have to keep converting our lobby over and back, and we'll gladly do that. But it'll be nice to have some spaces where we can do some training, do some parenting classes and financial classes and Bible studies and, and, and mentoring groups and small groups. I mean, the possibilities are endless. And then if you move even further, you see this nice, large portion of the building. We value what is happening here in the life of students and one of the commitments that, is, that I've heard over and over in the church, and I believe is one of mine as well, is we need to be about the next generation through children's ministry, but also through student ministry. What would it look like to have a place here where students can gather any day of the week, a designated space, more than a room that's 20 by 20, but a place where they can play, where they can run, where they can talk, where they can um, have mentoring and counseling, where they can have great worship. We have an amazing student programming band and team and, and where there's just plenty of space and a space that, that the rest of the church can use at different times as well too for banquets or gatherings, um, other special events. We have a, a group that's beginning to grow more and more, our, our young professionals in the gathering. And what would it look like to have a place uh, where they can gather and worship as well throughout the week? And so we see all the possibilities. You look up there, you also see staff offices. Currently, the church, uh, as it was designed, has, has three or four offices and a reception area. Well, our staff is now equivalent of over 12, 13 full-time people coming through. And we have offices behind stage and, and in one of the other rooms and on tables in the lobby. And, and it's great. But we also know that productivity and just the ability to work together is going to be really strongly facilitated through an office space and place that, that can be much more efficient for us. And then if you look over on this other side here, you see an expanded seating capacity for the sanctuary. Right now there are children's classrooms all behind here and a student life room. The design of these was always for that to be um, expanded and to allow room eventually to have about 800 some seats here in this place. And so that's also part of that phasing, and that would be done at the end of the rest of the expansion when we move the kids and students over, and then the expansion would happen on that end. I'm not going to get into more details with this, but just simply to say is over the next several weeks, you're going to hear more about this from our building camp, uh, committee and campaign, and, and you're just going to hear more about what it's going to take and what it's going to look like for us to make this happen. Because when I see a building like this, when I imagine what happens there, it's not for us. Now, we're going to benefit from this. It's nice to have a nice church. It's nice to come. But the whole motivation and the desire behind this isn't to do what the disciples ask. When are we going to build our kingdom? Jesus is saying, no, it's about a kingdom that's going to go from here and out to the world. Yes, give us a place here. He does talk about Jerusalem. He does talk about reaching where you are. And this is where we begin but I believe that God is calling this church not just as a multiply campaign to, to have a better facility for us, 
but a, but a facility that allows us to do something through this church, that allows us to reach out into the community, that, that when I picture hundreds of more seats in here, it's not for you. You already have a seat, right? It's for somebody who's not here yet. It's for envisioning the families that will come and go, this is a place where my children can find learning and teaching in a community that loves them, where my teenagers can, can find mentors and coaches that come around them. And I can just, I know that more and more families will find hope and healing here. But then beyond that, we become a launching pad for ministry throughout the community, throughout the world, because of this place. Now, we can build a building, and we can have all these great spaces, we can have all these seats, and it's going to take resources to make it happen. Absolutely, it costs money. But you know what? Buildings have been built since the dawn of man. This is not a new endeavor for a church to take on the building or expansion of a building. We're actually in one. so It was funded and is built, and we are here. But now it's time to do it again. And it takes the sacrifice of individuals to say, I'm going to be generous, I'm going to give, and I'm going to do what I can to make it happen. Now, some of you have already done that. Some of you are continuing to do that. I know for my wife and I, we're new into this process, and so we're evaluating what is it that we can do, how can we contribute, and so one of the things I'm just going to challenge you right now is to begin by praying about what would God have you do or continue to do or to do above and beyond what you already have to help make this possible. We'll talk more details and specifics, as I said, in the weeks to come. But right now, just begin to let God stir in you. What might you do to help expand this place so that we could have a larger reach into the kingdom, uh, for the kingdom in this community? But more than just the resources, how did do people fill the seats? It's not just about filling seats, but part of our mission and part of our focus and part of the church is gather, right? Gather the people because something happens when people gather. There's a power that comes together. It'd be kind of weird if I came in here on Sunday morning, had the whole band was up here, and I just was, it was just me, just for worship. I'm like, all right, Joe, all right, guys, I'm ready. Let's worship. <laughs> Woo! Why is that different? I mean, it's the same songs. Of course I can still worship. But there's something powerful that happens when the people of God gather together. When we submit our hearts to the teaching, when we submit our hearts to worship and watch what God can do and what God um, transforms us. And there's a heartbeat and a life that happens in this place. And it happens in our student ministry. It happens in the children's ministry. It happens during the times of connection in the lobby. And as great as it is to have online, and we're glad you're here, you can't substitute the connection of skin on skin and people connecting and talking and meeting each other and, 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 and being in community together. That's what happens in this place. How do those seats get filled? It comes back to this, this viral message. It comes back to what Jesus has called us to do. Is it's our responsibility to have the courage through the power of the Holy Spirit to share with others and to invite them in. We're doing this series, as I said, leading up to Easter Sunday. On Easter Sunday, we are making room for over 2,000 people to hear the good news of Jesus Christ on Easter Sunday. We can't do it in two services or three or four. It's going to take five services plus a couple of youth services. But the seats are here and the room is here that we're going to make in, in, in whatever way possible to try to share that good news. And the question is, what are you going to do to bring somebody on that Sunday? To invite a coworker? to invite a neighbor, a family member, a friend, and just to be able to be open to say, God, would you give me the courage? Would you give me the boldness? Would your Holy Spirit give me the power to tell about what you're going to do? And let's partner together 
to make something amazing happen here, to fill those seats, and then to create a space for ongoing ministry for those people that we reach. So over these next several weeks, would you commit to praying? Just asking God, give me opportunity. Who would you have me talk to? Who would you have me invite? God, and when the moment comes, let me have the boldness to share. Let's pray.